You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. So I am confident that this, um, this next half hour of service, you are going to feel challenged and you are going to feel inspired. Take notes, pay attention, and then let's welcome Elliot to the stage. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, So good to be online with hundreds, I'm thinking thousands of people. So 10,000 people online today that have tuned in and are with us. Thanks, Rachel, for that wonderful introduction. I love hanging out with Rachel. It's half the reason why I said yes, I'd come today. And uh, of course, Pastor Ben and his family. Pastor Ben and I actually go back since 2006 and um, we just keep crossing paths, and each time it gets sweeter and sweeter. So it's a joy and honor to really not just serve amongst strangers, but to serve amongst friends. And if God gives you that opportunity, there's no other opportunity quite like it about serving Jesus with friends. And thank you, Pastor Ben, for allowing us to uh, share today our hearts and our passion and our vision with you guys. And it's so cool to be in your new building. Amen? It's, yeah. Yeah. For those online, if you've never been here to the Gateway Church, this place is awesome. It is incredible. And, and this is, uh, before you, that, you guys were in a different building, and I was with you guys probably in 2011, just a short, short window that day. But today, Pastor Ben has given me the service, and I'm really excited to share with what God has put on our hearts for this time and season. And I was, I was thinking about, you know, what does God want to do in the world today, and what is he doing in our current situation in the current crises you know and crises it's not just crisis with extra s's but it's crisis with an es (laughs) Uh, i had to look it up because i was like how do you do crisis a lot more than just you know just the s on the end anyway i'm not really good in english grammar uh, but we figured it out but yes there are current crises on our horizon and in today and as i was praying and been preparing to share in different services, the Lord brought to my mind the, maybe a parable that you guys have known of the Good Samaritan. And that is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and that's where we're going to start today. I do want to just give a premise before we, before we begin our time, because it's really easy to put on our cultural our news media, our social media uh, blinders, and we end up stereotyping before we even get into the message, and you think you know where I'm going, but you might not have any idea, but I'm not taking you to an agenda of this world. If you can bear with me in the honesty of the moment, this is not an agenda for today. I'm not, you know, there's not a secret shirt I'm wearing underneath. I'm not wearing BLM. I'm not wearing All Lives Matter. I'm not wearing Black Back the Blue, Defund the Police, all of that. There's just no agenda. I'm not wearing Riding with Biden or Trump or Make America Great Again. So before we get into the word, we just got to take off our cultural and social spectacles, our glasses, and just look at what God is saying in the midst of this. Luke 20, 10, 25, we'll start with there. It says, 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he, the, the lawyer, wanted to justify himself, so he asked, and who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to, go, a, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, went out of his way there. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where he, the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied to him, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Father, today this is your word. Lord, help us. Help us to read it, to digest it, and apply it to our own lives. Lord, you're so good. In many ways, we are like that beaten man. Lord, you took us in, you took care of us, and you continue to take care of us to this day, and we are grateful. And Lord, we want to live out this word, and so Lord, help us to apply it today, we ask in Christ's name, amen. I want to make a few observations about this passage that I think then we can make an application to where we live today. The first observation is the lawyer had the right words, but was missing the actions. We see that clearly from verse 29. He wanted to justify himself. Clearly, he was not viewing neighbor as in everyone. He was very narrowly viewing his neighbor in a few particular people. I mean, he was a lawyer, so that means he could have possibly been a Levite himself. And Jesus alludes to a priest and a Levite. Both were Levites, by the way, the priest and the Levite. So he's applying him this to the, the class that he may have been in. And we see these people kind of move out of the way to avoid helping someone out. Verse 37, Jesus decide, tells him to go and do likewise. So the lawyer had the right action, was right words, but he was missing in action. Jesus says, hey, this is right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love the neighbor as yourself. You got the right answer, but you missed the action. So easy today to do the same thing. We have all the Bible answers, but we just never really apply it. I would say that he was also, from the text, we can make another observation, is taking care of your neighbor is costly. We see that from the oil and wine. These weren't things that were cheap during the day. This wasn't like, you know, he had a whole thing of um, vegetable oil, you know, cost $2 for a big vat of it you can get. No, this was, this was most likely olive oil, 
It was expensive. Wine was not cheap during that day. The, even in Proverbs says, if you love oil and wine too much, you'll be broke. You'll be poor. So we know from that time that this was expensive. He pays the infare. He pays all the expenses. He takes the time. It was time-consuming to take care of this man, to go out of his way and to take him to the inn. Who knows where the Samaritan was going? It is a parable. But who knows where the Samaritan might have been going? And he took time to stop and be with them and to take care of them. Taking care of your neighbor is rarely convenient. It's rarely convenient that, you know, it's just not like, okay, I got my agenda today, take care of the laundry, make sure my kids are, stay alive, uh, teach them a few things, uh, dinner on the table at five, and take care of your neighbor. It's, it's not on anyone's list and agenda. It, to be honest, it's not on my daily list and agenda is like taking care of your neighbor. But it's inconvenient because it's not on our agendas. It's not on our... Man, can you imagine you're like, today's Sunday, I, I hope I'm not speaking prophetically to anybody, but you're thinking, I'm going to the beach, and here we have somebody who calls you up and says, man, I have a flat tire. Or, can you do this thing for me? Come on, think about that. You're like, the sun, it's going to be 90 out. We got the jet skis and the, and the water polo and the, you know, whatever you do at the beach. And then somebody calls you and says, hey, I really need help. So-and-so's in the hospital. Can you? Oh, I guess we can't. You know, that, that one doesn't apply. But you know, you can't go to the hospital. <laughs> you can't have visitors. But you know, so-and-so's sick. He needs help. They need help. It's rarely convenient. The other point is, the other observation we need to make is, most likely there's no immediate reward. There's no Instagram, there's no TikTok, there's no Facebook, there's no selfie, there's no notoriety. There is nothing where there's going to be applause, a like, or whatever it might be. It's, in, it's interesting, because today we live in the day that we can put our good deeds up online. We can show the world how great and awesome we are. And, and we feel good, and we kind of feel justified by that. But here we see, you know, there's no likely no immediate reward for this, for this guy. The other observation is mercy just isn't about Jesus' response and action towards us. But mercy also goes the other way. It's about our response and action toward the world. You know, so many times we're like, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. But we have neighbors around us, people around us, people in our sphere, family members, friends, co-workers, that deep inside of them, you might not know it, but really what they're looking for is mercy, an act of mercy to be done towards them. We live in such a broken, broken world and system, and sometimes even in a culture that doesn't care about shame, we're, you know, we're shame, kind of a shameless society at times. Most of the time, people really deeply are ashamed, and they can't say those words, I need mercy, I need help. But people are looking that. And too much of our filter and our message is that people are upset and angry and staunch and have their agendas and all this. And we, get all, we, we feed ourselves fat on social media and news and we go out thinking everybody's like that, 
when actually even the most angry people are crying out for mercy and kindness. It says in the word, the Lord's kindness leads us to repentance. Unfortunately, in social media world today, I, I don't know about you. You guys might have better friends than me on my, my, on my Facebook, but it feels like, you know, actually the opposite. It's like, if I'm angry enough, then I'll change your mind, you know, or we'll fix things if we just can, you know, be angry at each other. But God's kindness leads us to repentance. We are in a day that we need kindness. Kindness is not a weakness. You know, I've heard a lot of things. Unfortunately, the older generation, none of you in here, I'm, I'm certain of, but the older generation, see, you know, saying to the younger generation, toughen up. You know, we don't need safe spaces. Just take it like a man and woman. Whatever. But unfortunately, many people are broken, and they can't take any more. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Mercy isn't just about Jesus' response to us and our life and getting us on the right path. It's, us, it's also our response and action toward the world. Last observation, lectures are rarely helpful. I don't know the last lecture I gave to my son or daughter that was just like awe-inspiring, incredible. They're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my chores to 100% ability and, you know, Lectures are rarely helpful. Could you imagine the Samaritan coming along and saying to this man, wow, pretty beat up there. Should have taken the other road. Why didn't you buy yourself a gun? Why didn't you do... Should have wore a mask. Yeah. <laughs> should, have, should have not worn a mask. You know? Do you have hand sanitizer in there you could use? Rub on some of those wounds? You know, we just, we just have to cut some of the lecturing out and just walk right into that kindness. Conversations can come later. I mean, y'all, some of you have kids, look like you have kids, or I can tell by your, you know, it's like eyes are glazed over. You're like, yeah. I have four, by the way, so my eyes are glazed over. I can feel it. Um, but, yeah, we just, lectures do come and conversations do come, but they're just better afterwards. You know, when my child is breaking down, my instinct is to tell them what all went wrong. I've gotten a little better <laughs> where I let them cry, and then I come in later and I talk to them. Actually, my wife sends me back in there to talk to them. <laughs> but uh, that's what I've learned. That, that conversation does have to take place, but they, there needs to be some care, some attention, you know, one of my children, they need extra attention just in the emotional set. So when there's this incredible breakdown, I just need to stop and just come and put my arm around them because that's what they need in the moment, even though they might have punched their other sibling in the face, you know, broken the glass, spilled the milk and everything else purposefully. There's a difference. They, they might just need care. And then eventually when there's calmness, I can bring clarity in conversation. So this kind of all these observations about not, not lecturing and, and, and just stopping to care and to, and to there's no immediate reward. How does this apply? How, how should we be encouraged to kind of like live this out? How can we live out being good Samaritans in today's culture 
crises where everything is on the line. Some would even say it's, it's the end of, end of the world is imminent, couple days, couple months, couple years. I don't know. I mean, the Bible, the Bible to me is pretty clear about we don't know the end. But let's just say Jesus tarries for 20 more years and doesn't return. What are we going to do in the moment? What are we going to implement into our life on the daily basis if Jesus tarries 20 more years? What do we want our lives to look like? And so just a few challenges, some few encouragements to us as the body of Christ, what we can do. First, let's choose to do what is right, almost always costly, inconvenient, and tiring. Let us choose to do that. There's seasons, if you've never been in this season, I would challenge you to live in that season of life where it's like, it feels like you're always tired, everything's going wrong, it's inconvenient, it's just, I've spent so much money pouring into this individual and it just hasn't paid off. You can't, I don't, I would, I would even for my own sake, I look at my own writing and think, man, this is, is, wow, this is challenging even to myself. And I feel like even looking at my own life is that there are seasons where you're just pouring yourself out, pouring yourself out, pouring yourself out, pouring yourself out. But God will give you rest. So if you've been through that season and you're like, Lord, I can't make it, don't worry, rest is on the way. God is going to refresh. We sing God of revival. That's just not a, you know, we need personal revival. We need strength and encouragement and infilling of the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives. And that does come. That was my prayer today. Like, Lord, fill me up even during this season. And God gives us the seasons, but sometimes we need to step into like, Lord, I am, I am your servant today. Whatever my neighbor needs, I'm going to stop and do. Another encouragement for us is let the joy of obedience be your reward. Man, that's challenging because there's no notoriety in that. You know, there's no notoriety in just letting God fill you with doing an amazing deed and not telling other people. I think there, that's in the... We see that on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, go to your prayer closet. Don't, don't make all your deeds, you know, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm doing. You know, but allow just God's joy to fill your heart. Uh, encouragement number three is filter the news and Facebook through these questions. How does this make me think about my neighbor? So if you're, if you're watching something and you're... It, you know, just ask yourself, how does this make me think about my neighbor now? Does it make me encouraged to go want to go help them and be compassionate? Or does it just strike fear and hatred towards them? Two, does this thing cause more fear? Is it causing more fear in my life? Maybe it needs to be eliminated. Three, what is this doing on my inside, my soul? I feel like we've, we've, we've just taken too much social media in, too much news in, and it's just really devastating our own souls. We're really, we're not in a place of giving hope. We're in a place of needing hope for our own lives. Lastly, is this having a greater voice in my life than God's word? I think that's really important. Because we, we come away from news and social media with this false sense of how people really are. And we don't understand that they're, they're like the person from Jericho that got beat up along the way. We live in a devastated nation I don't think we're at the point of admitting that. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I love my country, even though I've lived overseas. I, I love uh, America. I love its people. It's beautiful. It's done 
some incredible things. It's also done some really devastating things, and our culture is in a crisis. Lastly, last encouragement of what an action step is if you are a do-gooder already, make a decision to follow Jesus. There's a lot of do-gooders out there today. They don't know Jesus. They don't follow him. But if you consider yourself a a do-gooder, if you're like, man, I am living this life without Jesus, I would say, let Jesus have the steering wheel. Put Jesus in control. Make him your Lord today. Make him your Savior today. And man, he is going to he is going to expedite and give you exponential influence because he is in control and he can see a lot broader the situation than we could ever see in our finite and in the way in the world and our own ways. Make Jesus your Lord today. Make him your Savior today. If you consider yourself a do-gooder, Let the reward in heaven with Christ far outweigh any significant praise and honor in this earthly life. Man, when we make Jesus our Lord, we not only get the incredible life that he's given us now, but also the one in heaven that's in store for us. You can't drive the car of do-gooding alone. You'll crash, you'll hurt someone, and you cannot be authority unto yourself. Because you, not, you won't have the discernment and the wisdom that only comes from God to do the correct thing in the right moment. It's not just about doing good, but, but also being good. And that is only done by the work of Christ in our life. I only can be good and righteous before God because of the work that Christ, that I'm allowing him to do in my life. So if you don't know Jesus and you don't follow him, make him the Lord and Savior of your life today. And watch what good and amazing things he's going to do in and through you and continue to do those good things out into this world. Met incredibly awesome people around the world that are do-gooders. Many homes that I've been invited, hospitality that has been shown, but my heart breaks because I know they don't know the Lord. I know they're not following Jesus. And how, what an incredible stamp they would have in this earthly life. Far than whatever they could ask, think, and imagine. You can have the same impact and allow the Lord to be in control. Allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. So grateful for this day. I'm so grateful for the ability to share with you guys. And as we close here, I just want to want to pray. I want to pray for the congregation. Want to pray for those that are watching in on home. Father, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for the sunshine, the the freshness of life. And Lord, we just pray that I just pray for any do-gooders that they would make Jesus Lord of their life today. I pray for those that are at home maybe today that um, they have opportunities come to them to do good to their neighbors, to their friends, to those around them. Lord, we live in a hurting and broken world, and Father, we just ask that you'd use us today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Stick right here. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Thanks, Elliot, for that word. And man, what a challenge to be thinking in this season like the Good Samaritan and uh, that we would uh, really, that, that obedience, the joy of obedience, man, that really just hit me strong that when we do obey, when we do what's right, uh, that the reward is just the joy of the Lord that we've done the right thing. And so, Lord, help us in that. We're going to say goodbye now to those that are online, and uh, we thank you for joining us, and we're so grateful. Uh, the, the numbers here this morning have, have grown from last week, over the last couple weeks, and so uh, for those of you that are considering coming back, we want to welcome you back next Sunday, and uh, of course, we have second service today as well, but uh, God bless you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.